Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. It is I, your wonderful host, Allison Kilkenny, flying solo for a very special episode in which uh, everybody was too busy to join me as a co-host. And also, I forgot to ask someone to do the show with me. So it's just me. Uh, a disclaimer before we dive into so much news and pop culture. If you hear any um, mewing, as I call it, in the background, that is my roommate's adorable kitten, Joni, who is a very vocal little boy and also uh, very energetic. And he's been uh, attacking my very old cat, Desmond. And, you know, they, they have a playful relationship, but Desmond definitely decides when he's had enough because he's a senior citizen and he marches into my room and looks at me very pointedly like, I need my privacy now and I have to put Joni in Chloe's room and then Joni freaks out. So if you hear a little tiny voice during any of the lulls, that is Joni letting me know that he is not happy with me right now. Sorry, Joni, I love you. All right, guys. So if you're new to Light Trees and News, as I said, I'm Allison. I'm your host. Hello. Here's how the show works. It's divided into three parts. We start with pop culture recommendations and a discussion. And that is a two-way discussion. I like to hear from you guys as well on Twitter primarily. Hashtag Light Trees and Pod. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what you're watching, reading, listening to at the moment. What you like, what you don't like. We like anti-rex as well, although we like to keep it positive if we can, right? So, uh, and then we get to bad news, and then uh, we end things with good news. So I send you out into the world on a positive note. You're not going to hear any commercials on this podcast. Not too many podcasts can say that. And the reason I'm able to do that is I am 100% supported by listeners like you. If you go to lighttreason.news, you can smash that donate button to keep us going. Or, or here's another option. I have a Patreon with other little perks over there. Like, for example, if you're a $5 a month supporter, you get to send questions that I'll answer on Light Trees and News. That address is patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Wow. $10 a month members over there. We do a online hangout every month, which is very fun. So go check that out as well. If you like the show, if you're a fan of mine, Oh, that's how I survive. That's how I eat and pay rent and feed my little kitties. So thank you to everyone who's currently supporting or thinking about supporting. Uh, I love you. Thank you so much. Okay, pop culture. Enough plugging, right? So we got to talk about trailers because I feel like there were a couple really big trailers. Um, sorry, I'm not going to talk about the Top Gun trailer, but only because I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't begrudge you. Remember how it was like, we like to keep it positive, and then I was like, fuck the things you love. Fuck them. Uh, no, it, the trailer looks really impressive. That is really Tom Cruise flying a jet. That is, like, you know, you feel that when he... I, d I don't know the, the, the uh, term for it when you go, is it Mach 10? I feel like it should be Mach 10. When he hits the thrusters, is that right? These are all wrong terms right now. 
but you feel the 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 push of that. His body sort of goes back when the jet takes off, and that's very cool. It looks visually beautiful. I just don't care about Top Gun. Sorry. Um, but the other trailer that I wanted to talk about. Did you guys see the Mr. Rogers trailer? Okay, I have feelings. Uh, I liked it a lot. I think uh, Tom Hanks looks like he does a great job in it. And dude from the Americans, I'm spacing on his name. I think it's Matthew something. He looks great. I have sort of a dark horse prediction that he's going to be the one who makes me cry when I see that film. And I am going to see that film. Someone, and I'm not going to call out anybody because that's not what this show is about. (laughs) I call people out constantly on the show. Uh, But I don't want to do it now because I'm friends with this person. But they were tweeting about how they were not a fan of the trailer because they think it looks sad. And I don't know. I I thought the trailer was sort of the opposite where I think Matthew, uh, his character, was braced to like uncover something really dark and sordid about Mr. Rogers. And then the twist is, no, Mr. Rogers is just a really good person and, like, touches his heart and is just a sweet, earnest person. And I think that's, like, the reveal where he's like, oh, no, he's just, like, lovely. (laughs) Because, you know, journalists are jaded fuckers and it's sort of like, I'm going to find out this guy goes home every night and, like, drinks a bottle of wine and cries into his pillow. Then it's like, no, he just really charges his batteries by making the world a better place. That's what I think the film's about. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. I think it looks great. I think Tom Hanks looks great in it. Um, Yeah, I'm going to see it. On the flip side of that, I have an anti-rec, and I want to rant about it a little bit. Casey Affleck, you guys, is in a new film, and it's called... um, Oh, who cares? I can't even find the title of it. Everybody's just so mad when they write about it. They don't even say what the name of the film is. Oh, Light of My Life. Okay. So (laughs) the premise of this film is that women have been wiped out of existence by a disease. Okay. I don't know if the film's going to go into any more detail, but there is a disease that for some reason just targets women and women are now gone, except Casey Affleck's daughter. So, obviously, the whole premise of the film is, like, he is trying to protect her ostensibly because, since she's the only woman left, a bunch of grown men are going to try to rape her. That feels like the tone of, of the movie. So, they are hiding in the woods, camping, and concealing her as a boy, because she's still young enough where she can pass as a boy. So... I will say the trailer is like very effective, uh, very well shot. It's it's a creepy fucking premise, very scary. Obviously, the problematic part is that Casey Affleck <laughs> has written, directed, and is starring in this film after being accused of sexual harassment. So I joked about this on Twitter where I was like, women can't accuse you of sexual harassment if they don't exist. Smart, Casey. Smart. Um, yeah, obviously very problematic that it's Casey Affleck who wrote this. Something inspired him. Something happened in little Casey Affleck's life where he sat down. He marched to his writing desk. He sat down, flipped open his laptop, 
probably didn't even plug in his charger. He's probably so fired up. Open final draft and was just like, exterior, woods. There's only one girl left. All the other women are dead. They're dead forever. They're dead. They're dead and I'm glad they're dead. Accuse me of sexual harassment. I'm the hero of this. He wrote all of this in the first on the first page of this screenplay. Um, the producers were very confused, and then they called him, and he was like, Ben Affleck's my brother, and they were like, right, here's $4 million. Um, and that's the story of how that film came to be. So, anti-rec for me. Can we stop rewarding shitty men for their shitty behavior? I don't know. That's a weird idea, right? Okay. Here's some heartfelt recommendations for everyone, okay? Let's take her over to Netflix. I watched Blown Away. It is a reality show about glass blowers, and I'm going to be 100 sincere right now with you guys. I put it on sort of as like I had just finished a bunch of very serious series, and I was like, I just want to watch something that like I don't care about and that I can sort of half watch while I'm falling asleep in bed and it'll be mindless and fun. And it certainly blown away is all of those things. It's also very good. <laughs> like it's very compelling. Um there is a wonderful there are wonderful people on the show. There's like this uh really cool um dynamic relationship between a younger a woman who's a glass blower and an older sort of like mentor woman who is a glass blower and like their relationship where they're very supportive of each other and then also the older woman her relationship with the older men who tend to be really aggressive and mean um because they're artists you guys and we love when our artists are assholes but only if they're men if they're women they're bitches so it, it's just so interesting on, like, a, a, a sociological uh, level to watch the show and, and the sort of gender dynamics of glassblowing. I know this sounds insane, but if you've, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. So no spoilers, obviously, about who won or anything like that, but uh, the pieces obviously are beautiful. Glassblowing is such a wild thing to watch because... Whereas I feel like so many different artistic fields have modernized, right? Like we do a lot of um, drawing and even like painting stuff on computers now. It's so weird to see an artistic process that has not changed since like medieval times. <laughs> like it is so wild to see people open like a 3000 degree kiln and like super heat sand and then like blow glass and like do these really wild movements with like the glass blower which has a name that I'm spacing on um and then like pounding it with stone it's so fucking dramatic visually to watch that I was like oh I see why Netflix made this a show it's very very dramatic oh my god and they break the glass all the time which as someone with anxiety is horrible for me. Like anytime you just hear like, like just another crash. I'm like, oh no, Deborah dropped the vase. There's no one named Deborah and no one blows a vase. Don't worry. That's not a spoiler. Uh, but it's so 
Good. Have you watched it? Anyone? Hashtag like trees and pod. Let me know. Um, also, I have a music wreck because I feel like I have an. Oh, I have two actually because I listened to one on the way home. So the first one, uh, Stormies. So Stormy. Uh, and then with a Z at the end, specifically the track Vosti Bop. I got to blame Joe Macaray for this one. My friend Joe Macaray, who you should all follow on Twitter. He posted that he had it stuck on his it stuck in his head the other day and he was listening to it on loop. And I was like, what's this? And I was at work and I listened to it. And I, too, ended up listening to it all day on loop. Apparently, I am like so late to the party when it comes to Stormy's. Everybody knows Stormy's. Everybody's like, yeah, he's an amazing rapper from London. He's old news. We're all on the Stormy's train. And I was like, well, I wasn't. So that's my recommendation. Also, Chance the Rapper has a new album out. It's called uh, The Big Day, I believe. And I've only listened to half the album. It's a long album. There's a lot of tracks. Uh, but it's very good so far. I really, really like the track Rue. So uh, that's as in-depth as I can get with discussing or dissecting the album but it's great I love Chance I think he has such an interesting perspective and unique voice it's just, it's always a pleasure to hear new music from Chance the Rapper okay that was a lot of positivity right I, I recommended sincerely a lot of things so I can be negative again for a little bit in fact everything I have left I'm not gonna lie to you guys are anti-rex. <laughs> but, but we love a good anti-rex, right? So my first anti-rex is sort of, I'm wrecking it because it's an anti-rex. Okay, hear me out. So back on Netflix, we're back on, the, we're back in Netflix land, right? Okay. So there's a show called Secret Obsession <laughs> starring Brenda Song. Some of you younger people will remember Brenda Song from like Zach and Cody and, and shows like that and Nickelodeon. I did not know Brenda Song. This was my first experience seeing Brenda Song in, in anything. So I can't speak to her body of history or her body of work. But just know that um, <laughs> I'm just going to be critiquing the performance she gives in Secret Obsession. So she might be great. Uh, you might like her. Respect. But I'm just going to talk about this wild movie uh, on Netflix. Okay, so... First of all, apparently if you've seen the trailer for Secret Obsession, the trailer gives away the entire plot. I never saw the trailer, and yet within five minutes of watching the movie, I knew the entire plot. I knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, I didn't. I guess I didn't know. All right, so if you want to see Secret Obsession, I'm going to spoil it, okay? So if you're like, no, I really want to see it, um, skip ahead to the music cue for bad news and avoid all the spoilers that are about to come because I feel like I can't talk about this movie unless I spoil it. Okay. The premise of Secret Obsession is that uh, Brenda Song in the beginning of this movie is like running through the rain and she looks all fucked up and she tries to call 911 and it turns out somebody's chasing her in a car and they hit her and she's knocked unconscious and when she wakes up in the hospital, she has amnesia, of course, and her husband comes in and is like, oh, my God, I was so worried about you. I didn't know where you were. So it's at this moment where I'm like, that's the guy who hit her 
with the car. That is obviously not her husband. Apparently, that is supposed to be a big reveal. It is very obvious. If you watch it, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, that's the bad guy. (laughs) That's the guy who hit her. So there's no, like, great reveal ever in this movie. We know the entire plot within the first five minutes. The acting is awful. The writing is worse. But it is so unintentionally funny that like I was out loud laughing through most of it and I usually don't laugh out loud like even if I'm watching something funny I'll sort of be like that was funny and I don't laugh that makes me sound like a a, a weirdo but I I enjoy comedy a lot obviously I'm a comedy writer I just see so much comedy that uh I don't laugh (laughs) I'm dead inside is what I'm saying so the fact that I was laughing out loud I was like Okay, so this movie's bad, but it's also clearly special enough where I am enjoying it on some kind of level. So here's how I'm going to recommend Secret Obsession. I would watch Secret Obsession at like a party or with like a group of people while you're drinking. Or even if you're not drinking, you're just hanging out. But like it feels like it would be a very fun movie to watch with a group of people so you can roast it the whole time. Because Watching it by myself, as enjoyable of an experience as it was, I was like, oh, I got so many sick burns, and I wish I had, like, watched this with my friends, you know? So it's one of those movies. Mystery Science Theater 3000 it. I think that would be very fun. Also, the guy from uh, Allstate is in it, a.k.a. Uh, President David Palmer from 24, you 24 heads out there. He's in it as the cop. It's very weird. It's very, very weird. It's a very weird journey. Um, and obviously, it, like, trigger warnings for violence against women and, like, domestic abuse type stuff, because that comes up as well. So, all right. Here's, here's where I'm going to have to give, like, a million caveats. Oh, i got to take off my headphones. Hold on, guys. Okay. So... I have a very complicated relationship with the films of Quentin Tarantino because I'm, I'm a huge fan of films. Right. And so one of the most transformative experiences (laughs) of my like young film watching life was when I discovered the films of Kevin Smith and, and Quentin Tarantino because this was in the nineties and you know, those were my formative years and that watching those two filmmakers sort of come up. I was, it was the first moment where I was like, Oh, I could, I could write a film. They made it just feel like really cool and accessible in a way that I never felt films were before. And also just watching like young people make stuff. I was like, Oh shit. Because, you know, like, you grow up and people are like, you watch To Kill Mockingbird and, like, Gone with the Wind. And these are amazing films. And you're like, yeah, but everybody's dead. <laughs> so, like, do dead people just make films? And then, like, these new cool films were coming out uh, all by, you know, the ones I, were, I was seeing, obviously. Well, all by white men. <laughs> so that was still, like, not seeing myself in films. But I was like, oh, cool. Like, people are making, like, new stuff. Okay. Uh, All right. So I guess, you know, I could do that too. So I have a uh, complicated relationship with Quentin Tarantino's films because 
I have that nostalgic factor, but also as you get older and you like learn about stuff like misogyny and racism, you go back and you watch his films and it's like, damn, this dude loves dropping the N-word. Damn, this dude loves when women get hurt. This dude loves humiliating women. And then you hear stories about him on set where it's like, oh, this dude berated Uma Thurman to do a stunt she didn't want to do until she crashed a car and almost died. That dude's fucked up. So, like, I, I – and also, like, the Harvey Weinstein stuff. The, the Weinsteins produced – all of his films pretty much and so that that's a, a gross ick factor thrown in there where it's like cool so like did you guys just get together and like talk about women in really gross ways I don't know like you know not to accuse him of anything but that's just another complication <laughs> thrown in whenever another Quentin Tarantino film comes out because like I see for the most part all of his films because I've always seen his films. So Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is out now. I haven't seen it yet. But I realized like for a few years I haven't seen all of his films. The last one I had seen was Inglorious Bastards. So I was like, oh, I wonder if some of them are online. So The Hateful Eight and Jackie Brown are online. Um, so I haven't seen Jackie Brown yet. I do really want to see that one. But... I watched The Hateful Eight, <laughs> and I realized, and this thought crossed my mind, too, when I was watching Pulp Fiction um, a few years ago. I haven't seen it in a while. But the older I get, the more I appreciate how Samuel L. Jackson really elevates everything he's given. And I realized, like, a lot of the success of some of my favorite Quentin Tarantino films, r it really hinges on the performances of, like, Sam Jackson or Uma Thurman or, like, other excellent, excellent actors. Like, if you didn't have Uma Thurman in Kill Bill, if you had anybody else, that would have probably been a terrible film. <laughs> like, I think of the scene at the end of that movie when she's crying in the bathroom, and I'm like, oh, she should have won the Oscar. Like, she was so good in those movies. Um, but yeah, it just, it made me appreciate the actors way more because like, there is a lot that I love about Quentin Tarantino's <laughs> screenplays. I think he's just very good at having two people talk in a room and have it be like fascinating, which is very hard to do. Uh, also hugely problematic, a lot of his dialogue. Again, um, saying the n-word 47 times in a movie why you know and i i don't buy his whole bullshit about like my mom used to date a lot of black guys and i was part of black culture and they all laughed when i said it. it's like cool dude you know like if that's even true it's irrelevant to the fact that a lot of white people feel like they have permission to say it because cool guy quentin tarantino writes it in his screenplay for his cool films anyway so, uh, Hateful Eight, not good. <laughs> like, very, very long. Uh, I did watch the extended cut of it. Um, and again, there were, like, these glimmers of, of good things happening in it. Uh, and most of them were Sam Jackson just being wonderful. Um, but, man, like, violently misogynist. Um, drop the N-word like crazy. I've been, I've been wondering if he's been doing more, like, period pieces 
so he feels like he can get away with saying the n-word a million times like Django Unchained the hateful eight he's like well that was just the time that's not me little Quentin Tarantino that's just racism boo you know uh so uh not a fan and then finally guys before i move on to the bad news section we gotta talk about the big little lies finale i just wrote big little lies finale yawn yikes this season i mean there were like wonderful moments right where i would watch nicole kidman and meryl streep do a showdown for an entire season, which is basically what this season was, right? Uh, that the scenes in the courtroom were bananas good. Um, I wish a million people hadn't edited the episodes. I wish control of uh, the show hadn't been taken away from the lady director. What's her name? Andrea? I forget. Sorry, guys. But uh, I wish that there hadn't been such a clusterfuck of authorship because the the show really suffered from that. Uh, Zoe Kravitz's storyline was a fucking disaster. I have no idea. And I assume that was just like bad editing or they had to edit it down to the point of non-existence. What the fuck was the point of all of that? Of her mom having the stroke of saying, kill me of the weird, like, um voodoo magic shit which felt very very racist (laughs) considering these are your only black characters on this show it was so fucking weird and strange uh but again bringing it back to the positive laura dern laura motherfucking dern i will not not be rich are you kidding me uh the only negative i can say about that is you could almost feel the calculation every single time of them being like that's gonna be a meme that's going to go viral on Twitter. That's going to be a gif before the episode's over. Like, they knew Laura Dern in this season was for Twitter. And I don't hate that. You know, I don't hate a little bit of fan service. But, yeah, what a what a letdown, the, the finale of this season. If you haven't seen it, they just walk back into the police station ostensibly to confess that Zoe Kravitz's character Bonnie I think her name is Bonnie shoved um sexy vampire guy down the stairs I guess but that was like a long walk to get there but we got Meryl Streep so I guess it was okay um and on that note I guess on the note of I was gonna say shoving sexy vampire down the stairs but he had it coming um, I almost started singing Chicago. That's what that pause was. Uh, fuck it, I'm gonna do it. He had it coming. Here's your bad news. Okay, we gotta start with this cuckoo bananas story about a U.S. born teen who was detained for weeks by uh, a Border Patrol saying he was told, quote unquote, you have no rights. So this feels like phase, mm, I don't know, 11 in the warning uh, chart of we have entered a fascist regime. 
You know, like if if the alarm bells weren't ringing for you when the president called Mexicans rapists or issued a Muslim ban or put brown children in cages, this feels like, no, it's actually going to affect you eventually. You know, like, unfortunately, if that's what it takes for you to care about other human beings, like your own freedoms being in danger. But here we are. We have a Texas-born high school student uh, named Francisco Galicia, who is 18 years old. And he was held for more than three weeks. This is uh, what he told CNN. And he said he was held in a filthy, overcrowded um, facility where he was not allowed to shower for 23 days. Forced to sleep on a cement floor. He's not given enough food. By the time he was released Tuesday, after word had spread about his detention uh, following a report by the Dallas Morning News, he said he was malnourished and he dropped 26 pounds. Like, can you imagine? And this is just someone who was held. I don't, I don't mean to say just, quote unquote, like being held for weeks isn't a long time. But imagine what's happening to the people. He got out. And people have been held there way longer. Um, so he told CNN they were not treating us humanely, obviously. The stress was so high. They, meaning the detention center uh, detention center agents, were on me all the time. It was like psychological torture to the point where I almost agreed to be deported. This is an American citizen. I felt safer to be in the cell than to be with the officers. So this is a a citizen. <laughs> like, not that citizens are, are better or more, um, well, we are uh, more privileged, but all human life is valid life, right? But this is someone who uh, supposedly is protected by our laws, Texas-born, so the best state. <laughs> um, and he almost self-deported because it was so bad. That is wild. Uh, so here's what happened. Here's ha how this all started. On June 27th, he was on his way to a college soccer scouting event. He was traveling with his 17-year-old brother, Marlon, as well as a group of friends from his hometown of Edinburgh to Houston, where they were stopped at a checkpoint because there are checkpoints in the United States, in Texas, um, about 100 miles north of the U.S.-Mexico border. So they, they were 100 miles away from the border, and they were stopped. Okay. So Francisco... Uh, who I said was born in Texas, is an American citizen. Uh, when he was a child, he moved to Mexico with his family and later returned to the U.S. as a teenager. He said he was carrying his state ID, a social security card, and a wallet-sized birth certificate. So he has three forms of ID with him. Okay. He also had a Mexican tourist visa with him that inaccurately listed his country of birth as Mexico. So... There was this conflict of nationality claim. Both brothers were detained, and Marlon, his brother, who does not have legal status in the U.S., was returned to Mexico, which is very sad. Uh, Francisco was sent to an immigration detention center, 
And he said, they didn't believe me. I kept telling them over and over, and they kept saying my documents were fake, and they were going to deport me. They threatened me with charges, charges about falsifying documents, felonies. They kept asking how it was possible uh, for me to not know where I was from. I almost signed to be deported because I didn't want to suffer there anymore. Uh, So basically, we have a clerical error and a brown person. And then at that point, it was up to the Border Patrol to determine what to do with a brown person who uh, is the victim of a clerical error. And their response was to keep him in a prison for weeks until he almost lost his mind and asked to be deported. Yikes. Uh, And it's not going to stop there. We're going to see more cases of this. We're going to see more... I mean, this whole system is profiling, right? But this is a classic example of profiling where they saw a brown person and they were like, well, you can't possibly be American. Oh, great. Um, Also in bad news, and speaking of the border, this happened just before I started recording. The Supreme Court says that Trump can use defense funds for the border wall. Uh, So this means Trump can use $2.5 billion dollars in Pentagon funds for the wall construction. Let's just, like, um, you can play along at home right now. If you can't tell, I'm cradling my head in my hand while I'm talking right now. You can play along at home right now. Let's just think, you and I, of everything we could do with $2.5 billion. Okay, I'm just going to rattle off some stuff right now. Fix every public school's infrastructure in the country. Uh, We could fix every road, every tunnel. We could, in large part, pay for Medicare for all. We could uh, send that money to Teach for America. We could um, hire more public school teachers. We could, I mean, so much, so much that's not a dumb fucking wall that's not going to do anything. <sighs> so the conservative majority court, it was another 5-4 vote. <laughs> that's going to be like the thing that rattles around in my head, like the voice, the echoing voice, 5-4 vote, 5-4 vote as I'm dying. That's going to be the thing that haunts me, uh, even in death. So, uh, yeah, so Trump tweeted, wow, big victory on the wall. The United States Supreme Court overturns lower court injunction, allows southern border wall to proceed. Big win for border security and the rule of law. Uh, So... A brief order explaining the court's decision said the government made a sufficient showing that the groups challenging the decision did not have grounds to bring a lawsuit. In a highly unusual move, Trump on February 15th declared a national emergency. Remember when that happened, guys? (laughs) That was fun. In a bid to fund the wall without congressional approval. But now the court just let him have it. So uh, obviously this dumb fucking wall is not going to do anything except waste money. Uh, and waste a lot of time and uh, and labor hours and all of that stuff. So good work, you fucking idiots. You got your dumb fucking wall. Oh, 
God. So, guys, I'm not going to say too much about the Robert Mueller thing because it was a big nothing sandwich. So, I always tweet this and people get so mad about it where <laughs> whenever Mueller's talking, I tweet, did daddy lawyer save us yet? And people get so mad because I think they still think that like Mueller's going to do something magical where Trump will end up in jail. Even like I actually have a, a good news item that's um, about the Democrats and like impeachment and stuff. But I don't th- like Trump's not going to go to jail while he's in office. Obviously, that was Mueller's whole thing. He's like, you can't prosecute a sitting president he did say once he's out of office maybe which i think is still kind of in the realm of possibility although probably when he leaves office everybody's just gonna be like let's move on remember when i said that like it it's a sure thing when he leaves office (laughs) i still am like he'll step down right if he loses an election that's a big maybe guys that's a big maybe so uh, somebody floated. I, I can say this because we're in the bad news section. Somebody floated this nightmare situation on Twitter where for the past few presidential elections, the national elections have been very, very close. So close that they've been hotly contested in court. You know, Bush v. Gore, um, Bush and Kerry, uh, Hillary and Trump. Like, we're a very, very divided country, and the Republicans have sex- successfully rigged elections with gerrymandering so that a lot of people are being disenfranchised and knocked off voter, voter rolls and et cetera, et cetera. So obviously the nightmare scenario here is the Democrats win a, the popular vote again, uh, and Trump wins the electoral votes, which is what happened. That's why he's president but it happens again. I don't I don't know, guys. I are how much longer are people going to consider our elections to be legitimate? Because <laughs> they're not legitimate. They're rigged and I think more and more people know they're rigged now. And here's the thing. If people don't believe in the government, the government's not real. That's like the big secret, right? Uh, A government's only real and valid if the people believe it to be so. So the reason people don't like riot and stuff is they're like, right, well, because the president got the most votes. That, That person got the most votes. That's why they're president. If that's no longer the case, which it's not, and, and a lot of people saw that happen in the last election, 2016. So it's like, wait, so the person who got the most votes isn't president? People stop believing in the institution. The institution has no power. So that is the nightmare scenario. Or or the Democrats win and Trump just doesn't recognize the victory, which could also happen very easily. I mean, look at them. You know, like every, every sign, every act has, has shown us that he rejects reality if it doesn't suit his narrative. So... Yikes, 2020. Anyway, so Robert Mueller. (laughs) Sorry, huge digression. Sometimes I just need to vent on this show, you guys. So I think the whole thing can be best summarized by the exchange he had with Representative Nadler. Um, Nadler, right at the top of this thing, knocked this out and was like, did you actually totally exonerate the president? 
Um, and exonerate means to find with uh, to not be at fault or at blame. So, tr- you know, Trump has been claiming uh, Mueller completely exonerated me. So Nadler asked, did you actually totally exonerate the president? And Mueller said, no. <laughs> so that that's the summary. And then he also talked about, you know, uh, potentially bringing charges against someone once they're not in office anymore and all that stuff. So that's the big takeaway. Um, nothing happened. You know, it wasn't anything we didn't already know. And we're in the exact same situation we were in yesterday. So that this is why I'm always like, did lawyer daddy save us? Robert Mueller's not going to save us. The Democrats aren't going to save us. Nobody's coming to save us. Um, we got to save ourselves, guys. And on that note... Here is your good news. Oh, I just realized that I didn't talk about Boris Johnson. Whatever, we're in the good news section now. Boris Johnson fucking sucks. All right, that's all I'm saying about that. So this is like bad news but tinged with good news. Stick with me. So it also has to do with ICE and the recent announcement by Trump that he was like, we're going to do a bunch of ICE raids and it like terrorized uh, the entire community, the Latinx community. So, or I guess anyone who's not, you know, uh, who is an undocumented immigrant just generally terrorized everyone. So, but the good news is here in New York City, ICE has attempted to do these big raids in Brooklyn and in uh, Sunset Park and Midwood and Queens and all those areas. And they haven't been successful because in order to do a raid, people have to let them into their homes and people just aren't answering the doors. So they can't do the raids, which is amazing. And also a great example of uh, activist communities really doing the most to educate um, communities who are vulnerable right now, like really learning their legal rights um, if, if you do talk to them, you ask to see a warrant. If they don't have a warrant, they're not coming inside, but don't even fucking answer the door. Like truly don't answer the door. Uh, and if you can pass along that information to people, it obviously works because here in New York city, they attempted six raids and arrested no one and deported no one. So suck it. Also in good news, uh, I'm going to end every story with me telling someone to suck it. So, Puerto Rico, what's up, guys? (laughs) How's it going? So, if you haven't been watching or paying attention, there were these huge protests in Old San Juan last week where, like, 500,000 people turned out. But, like, even in here in New York City, uh, the Puerto Rican community came together and there were these huge protests in the city uh, because they were demanding the uh, Puerto Rican governor, Ricardo Roseo, stepped down from office because there was this big scandal about, um, I think it was texts uh, from the governor that were like very homophobic, 
very misogynist, uh, fat shaming, like making fun of people he had like taken photos with and stuff. So just really like revealed himself to be a sexist, homophobic uh, piece of shit. And Puerto Ricans were like, hey, we don't want you to represent us. So they turned out in droves to protest. And the queer community had a huge part in the protests in Puerto Rico because, again, uh, he's a homophobic piece of shit. And they fucking won. He stepped down. And I will say, like, my one negative caveat, because, you know, I got to be negative in the, the positive section, is that the woman who's, like, braced to take his place is also very problematic and has, like, a complicated history with the uh, the queer and feminist communities. But this guy was a big old piece of shit. And it's always good to see people in power be held accountable by, like, average people. So that was very cool. Good on you, Puerto Rico. You fucking did that. So, oh, this was the story that I was talking about before. The House Judiciary Committee is investigating possible impeachment of Trump. So I put it in the good news section because I was like, look, I feel like anytime the Democrats do something like this, it is because they are bowing to overwhelming pressure from their constituents. Because the Democrats suck, right? Like the way the Republicans suck. We have two corporatized parties that don't represent 99% of Americans. They're completely out of touch with typical Americans' lives, um, they suck. But there are these important distinctions where it's not like both the parties are the same. You know, like you hear that a lot. There are very important distinctions. Like if you are a um, a trans person or, or a cis woman or a person of color, to be like both parties are the same is sort of like your life doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like, no, the parties aren't identical in all ways, but you know, they they do this shit a lot where they're like, we have to come together and meet in the middle. And, and oftentimes that means like, so we're not going to impeach Trump for the myriad of crimes that have been committed during this administration. Even if you want to get is like, all right, you don't want to go after something big and sexy and juicy like the Russia thing. But how about the emoluments clause? How about that shit? He has used the presidency to make money from his business. That's against the law. That's an impeachable offense. But people like Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, are sort of like, well, these are like my colleagues and I have to work with them. So I don't want to like rock the boat too much. Um, She's never said it in those words, but that's basically like anytime people go on and on about the sophistication of Nancy Pelosi's uh, leadership style in the House, all that means is she just doesn't rock the boat. (laughs) Like, That's that like the nightmare situation for the Republicans is like if Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was the speaker of the House, because then it would be like, holy fucking shit, this woman's out for blood. Rightfully so. Um, So Jerry Nadler, Democrat, New York, confirmed that the committee's investigation into whether Trump obstructed justice lied in his written response to special counsel Robert Mueller's questions or broke other laws or constitutional constitutional provisions is now on a path that could ultimately lead to his impeachment or not and I still believe the or not will win but still it's I think it's important to establish this precedent where it was like no crimes were committed let's get them on the official record things need to um 
be entered into evidence and just if like we're still going to pretend we're in a law of like laws a land of laws guys sorry i'm distracted chloe just came in (laughs) do you want to come say hi really quick okay so hi chloe hi i got locked outside and allison didn't see the message oh no i'm (laughs) sorry how did you get back in Oh, okay, okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. Guys, uh, so Chloe, my roommate, her um, her girlfriend, Ari, who's been on the show before. You guys have co-hosted together. Um, wait, when is this going to air? Doesn't matter. Does, you were just going to say she doesn't listen to the show. That's about what was going to happen. Anyway. We're, uh, or you are, you're doing everything, throwing her a surprise party. So Chloe just got a bunch of stuff and a bunch of decorations. We're going to have a Halloween party in the middle of the summer. It's going to be a good time. Anyways, guys, that was all fine because we're in the good news section and that was happy news. They're not going to fucking impeach him. That's what, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's not going to happen. But accountability. If we're going to pretend that laws matter, if we're going to pretend we live in a land of laws, it has to fucking matter when you break the law, right? So, I don't know, call your Democratic representative and be like, do you not care about the law? Let's go. Jesus Christ. Okay. Finally, finally, you guys, I wanted to shout out an artist who, uh, his name is Charles, oh, wait, 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 no. Oh, yeah, yeah. Charles Lazat, a former Republican and graphic designer who was tracked down by the Washington Post because he created these satirical versions of the U.S. presidential seal featuring Russian symbols and golf clubs. <laughs> and somehow this thing found its way on stage during a Trump appearance, which is very, very funny. Uh, so this was widely publicized, obviously. And it happened at a college Republicans event in the nation's capital. It was uh, behind Trump. This was like a projection of the doctored version of the seal, the U.S. presidential seal. So uh, the person who is suspected of finding and showing the image was swiftly fired. But the artist was interviewed (laughs) and said... I love them, and I love that he said that about his own uh, doctored seals. So he created the seals as a joke, obviously, just after the 2016 election, and told the Post he never expected it to blow up in the news. The designer said he couldn't be sure whether the person who chose his graphic was wildly incompetent or the best troll ever, which is a great question. I do wonder that. Um, but suspects the explanation given by the conservative group Turning Point USA, which hosted Trump, is nonsense. Turning Point said the seal ended up on screen due to a last-minute error in finding a high-resolution image to project behind the president. So Lazat told the newspaper, you have to look for this. There's no way this was an accident, is all I'm saying, which I, I agree with, where I'm like, listen, it would not surprise me if someone who works for Turning Point USA which if you don't know about them, I mean, just like Google for two seconds. They're like, they're terrible. Um, but it would not surprise me anybody who works for Turning Point USC, USA would turn out to be wildly inept and an idiot. However, if it's not like the first image that comes up when you're looking for the U.S. presidential seal, they had to go looking for that. 
So maybe there was a little baby insurgent on the inside who was like, all right, all right, Drew, it's your time. It's your time to shine. You got one shot. You got to make it count. And then he went to Google and he found the seal and he was like, okay, you're going to do this, man. You're going to do it. And then he did it and it fucking blew up. So whether you're a big old dum-dum or you're, you're some kind of subversive genius, I salute you. And Godspeed. Guys, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I'm releasing this episode a little early because as I discussed during that total derailment when Chloe came in, we're going to have this party for her uh, her girlfriend, Ari, this weekend. So I'm just not going to have time to record. So I was like, let me knock her out on Friday. Uh, so... I do hope you enjoy this episode. Let me know any thoughts you have, any recommendations you have. Hashtag Light Trees and Pod. We are also on Facebook and Instagram. You should follow us there. Uh, if you go to lighttreason.news, that's where you can donate to the show. Also, my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, for a more personal touch to the donation because then you get to send questions. You get to do the online hangouts, all of that stuff. And anything else I need to plug? We're on SoundCloud. If there's ever an issue with, uh, for some reason, I don't know why this has been happening. When I upload the episodes to Lipsyn, which is how it goes to like Stitcher and iTunes, the episodes occasionally get cut off. And usually I remember to double check that to make sure they fully upload it. Sometimes I forget I'm human. But if that ever happens, the full episode will be up on SoundCloud. So you can just pop over there, listen over there. Um, but usually not an issue. Guys, follow us everywhere. Follow on Twitter, as I said, Facebook, Instagram. Do like us on Facebook if you haven't done that already. That helps a lot. And also, the more you engage with the posts, the more you see them. I get that complaint sometimes from people where they're like, hey, I follow you on Instagram, follow you on Facebook. How come I don't see your freaking posts ever? They're really angry about it for some reason. And what I say is, it's because they have these fucked up algorithms that won't show you content unless you engage with it. Well, Allison, how do I engage with it? Great question. You like the post, you comment on the post, you share the post, all that stuff. The more you do that, the more the algorithm's like, oh, you like that, huh? And then it'll show it to you more. It's fucked up, but it's an easy way to see the post more. Please do that. Tell your friends about the show. All of that good stuff. Uh, follow me. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I have a fan page, all that stuff. Thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. 